This episode is in partnership with Gloss Genius. Made for salons and spas, Gloss Genius is the only business management and payments platform that makes it easy to grow revenue and enhance the client experience, which we are all about here on The Treatment Room. From a beautiful online booking site to powerful marketing tools and low payment processing rates, Gloss Genius empowers you to run your full salon or spa in a stylish and smart way while feeling supported at every step. For 50% off for two months, go to glossgenius.com slash signup and enter code TTRSPRING or check the show notes for details. Now let's get back to the show. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast with me, your host, Tessa Zolli. I am joined today by my friend, Rosie Mirza. Rosie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tess. It's so great to have you. And I want to hype you up and give a little background on you because you're so impressive. You've amassed a huge following on TikTok. You have about 120,000 followers, but you also have this incredibly impressive background. You have your own aesthetics practice with your husband. Yes. He's a board certified physician. Yes. And you're a licensed esthetician and former U.S. Army surgical nurse, which is such a cool combination. I would love to hear a little bit about your journey and and how you went from working in the army to aesthetics and having your own practice. It seems like it was such a journey, I'm sure. I I think it's going to take a whole day for us to talk about everything. But uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show because we have been trying to like plan this for a really long time. And I'm finally feeling so Mm -hmm. honored and blessed to be here and be able to talk to you. Uh, I really look up to you. You might not know this, but I really do because you bring a really cool aspect to aesthetics and it is the holistic side that I usually lack. And I really, really enjoy seeing your posts and like, the, the fact that you came up with a whole new brand, um, I really admire that. And I, it makes me feel proud as an esthetician that, oh, there's another esthetician with a good brand out there. And it makes <laughs> me feel very happy. And I'm very um, happy for you. And I hope that your brand takes off and it does really amazing things in the future. Um, when Let me start with the question that you asked about um, yes. how did I actually jump from nursing to the aesthetics and everything. So I started being an esthetician when I was very young. Um, I was 16 years old when I started doing aesthetics part-time. At that time, I was a cosmetologist, so I was doing overall um, makeup, hair, nails, and everything. Um, But um, in 2014, we moved to U.S., and at that time, I needed a job, so I was like, U.S. is not going to accept my um, education from back home from Pakistan, so I have to go back to school. So uh, my goal was that eventually I wanted to be a dermatologist. So it was kind of like a tricky thing for me to figure out, like, which route do I have to go? I have to have a job. I have to have aesthetic license. But at the same time, I also want to go to med school. So juggling two schools were kind of like really difficult for me beginning um, in the beginning. And till 2019, I did not have a single day off. Um, I was just doing um, my aesthetic school initially the first year I wanted to like have my license to be able to like perform all the procedures um, and other treatments Um, at the meantime I was working at the Arches Threading Lounge I was just doing eyebrow threading that's all I was able to do because you 
did not need a license at that time in Georgia. So I was lucky to have a job in the field of aesthetics still. And at that time, we were working with Dermalogica. Um, and then I was working also at the school, trying to figure out this uh, career path. But since I knew that I wanted to be a dermatologist, I was like, I need to go to school and I still have to get my bachelor's. I have to get my pre-med and everything. So for four years, it was just a complete chaos of just like going back and forth to school from class to class, class to class. Um, then I found out that uh, military does have a program, which is not an RN program. So one thing I want to clear, clear it out for everybody, like people sometimes when they hear surgical nursing, they think I'm a registered nurse. I'm not a registered nurse. I'm a surgical first assist, which in military as my role, we are known as surgical nurses. Our main job is to set up a triage and um, have like a combat support hospital. And when soldiers or the war um, prisoners get injured or get wounded, they come to us in the OR and we do the surgeries on them. So I'm kind of like the surgeon's first hand, um, kind of doing the suturing and making sure the field is sterile, like helping him out during the surgery, sometimes retracting things. Um, so I was like, okay, this sounds really cool. This is something uh, kind of my stuff. I like the gross things. I like popping pimples. <laughs> it's crazy. I also <laughs> like the bloody, um, uh, like, treatments like procedures and the surgery as well so i decided to go join the u.s army and i did that i did my training in san antonio um with their hospital there and then i graduated as an honor grad um from military and decided to join the Emory hospital group system and then I worked with them for a while. Soon I realized that medicine is not for me because I am just super rebellious. I don't follow rules um, in terms of like the rules that are not right. Because And if you know the medical system in US, it's a little bit different. Focus is like kind of basically wanting the patients to act as if you're a client. You want their ratings. You want um, the, the whole system just did not fit well with me. I was like, I am used to a different, completely different medical system. And here it's different and it doesn't fit with my goals. So I decided to just take the route um, and be a medical esthetician. So from there, I started working with plastic surgeons. And when you're in a plastic surgery setting, you obviously do have a med spa. And that's where I was like, you know what, I want to start getting my hands into these trainings. I did so much of extra certifications, which uh, now I'm regretting it. I'm like, I should have like just if, if there was an advanced aesthetic program, I should have gone to that, that would have been better than me just going to um, all these extra certifications that I did from people who were not accredited. Like I did one course so for dermaplaning and microneedling from somebody who charged me 3,500 for two days. And I was so desperate to learn. Um, but still, I don't regret all of those things because it taught me a lot to be able to have my own practice. Then I was like, okay, now I have all the certifications and everything. I know the things. I can keep my nursing, surgical nursing job on the side. And along with that, I can start my practice. I started my practice in 2019. It used to, um, the name was Razi Aesthetic Care. It, that was the name at, at that time. I worked so much with my my business name that it just went from one thing to another. So Razi Aesthetic Care at, in Atlanta, I had it for a couple months out of nowhere, nowhere I meet my husband. Um, and um, we just hit it off within two months, we got married. Um, 
later down the road, he jokes with me. He's like, so you got married to me because you wanted to have a med spa. I'm like, no, that's not the case. I actually it did work out for you. It just worked out. I never wanted to marry a physician. I did date, date um, uh, a surgeon. But then at that time, I was like, I, I don't think so. I can keep up with the lifestyle and everything. So uh, we broke up. But um, then when I met my husband, I was like, you know what? Well, let's get married and let's be together. I moved to Oregon. Um, and right I moved to Oregon, COVID hit, I was unable to like start my practice again. So we decided Mm -hmm. to move down to Texas and, and Dallas, Texas, I started again with him. Uh, he's planning to join, um, and do a lot of like Botox and fillers while I would be doing some of the other treatments. But now I moved to Oregon again within a year. Uh, it was a long back in back and forth moving from Atlanta to Oregon, Oregon to Texas, now Texas to Oregon again. So now I finally told him that I want to start my practice uh, all over again. Um, And we just found a location. I love both the fields because I I feel like the surgical nursing gives me the aspect of understanding human body so much more in depth. And when it comes to aesthetics, I combine both of them. And it just makes me like, I just feel more understanding of my patients and uh, in a lot of aspects, like when it comes to like treating their skin. Um, it, it's just as amazing. I feel like I like both the fields, but one thing I've done is that I don't want to have an option B or plan B because I know if I do have that, I'm going to go back to it. So that's why just this January, I was supposed to um, renew my license and I decided to let go of it, and which is kind of so like heartbreaking for me at the same time because I worked really hard on that license. But I'm like, no, aesthetics is all I want to do. So I have to get rid of this this field. Unfortunately, with this uh, SFA license, you can't do Botox and fillers. You still have to be an RN. So I'm not even interested in doing the Botox and fillers anyways. So um, that's why I just decided to keep my aesthetic license. And that's about it. Yeah, I I mean, I can imagine just coming from that background in the military would be incredible preparation for looking at the skin and treating skin, having that more advanced and I'm sure that more urgent, immediate kind of life or death environment. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it prepared you very well for working on the skin and even just anatomy wise, knowing, knowing those things. Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like it gives you this set of skills where you are able to make the decision at that moment when you're trying to save somebody's life. You, you don't have that much time to think about, Oh, should I do this? Should I not do this? Like, you just have, at that time, what feels right, you just move forward with it. And your best goal is to save the patient. Um, and when it comes to the aesthetic field, the way I utilize this is that I don't second question myself. Like I don't like question myself again. Why did I do this treatment with this client? And mm-hmm. luckily it turns out to be the best thing for that client. Cause I don't question myself too much. I have like in the past, I used to do that. I used to question my abilities a lot. I'm somebody who I'm my biggest critique. Like I will be like, yeah, you're not doing it mm-hmm. right. You're not the best. You, you can't do this. So being in the nursing, the surgical nursing field just allowed me to have those set of skills that no, trust your gut feeling, trust your judgment and move forward. That's what it did. 
Yeah, I think that's such an important lesson to learn because I think, you know, Razia, a lot of us can relate to what you're saying and having that little voice in the back of your head. Should I have given them this product? Would it have been better if we tried this treatment first? But I think what you're saying, tuning into that intuition and voice will only help you deliver those treatments with confidence. Yes. And I just, I think that's such an important message to share. Yeah, absolutely. When you have confidence in your own skills and your abilities, your clients will see that confidence in your, in your work. They would be able to feel that people feed off of energy. If you give them the feeling of that, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to be good for you, but I'm still going to move forward with it because I don't know what, what should I do? your clients will feel that. So if you make yes. a decision at that time, be like, no, I'm, I'm sure it is going to work out. And yep. the, that confidence comes with education. When you educate yourself mm-hmm. and you have experience, you work with multiple clients, then you just know, okay, this is what I know based on my experience and knowledge that this is going to work out. And I just have to have confidence in it. That's it. Yes. Yep. Absolutely. And I love your confidence in delivering your messaging especially on TikTok. I actually don't remember, or I don't know if you remember, Rosie, how we met. Do you remember how we I, met I on TikTok? I do remember. I you actually, do? Um, I remember because you made a video about Hiram yes. actually doing a facial, which kind of pissed me off a lot. But I'm like, you know what? I don't want to have too many enemies because on TikTok, the moment you say something about Hiram, it turns out yeah. to be a big deal and like everybody right. wants to attack you. And I was like... I don't know if I should say anything, but when I saw you saying it, I was like, okay, she said it for me. I just (laughs) felt so deeply connected to you, just your energy. Like, this is so true. Like, I, like you can feel people's energy and you're like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I feel very comfortable with this person. I can relate to this person. And that's what I felt. I just, in my mind, I could see us talking for hours about skincare, like about the the ins and out of the industry. I was like, she is amazing. Like I would like to be friends with her. (laughs) Which we became. And I felt the same thing. It's, I mean, it's really hard to speak up in those situations and it's nothing Mm -hmm. against high. I'm sure if Rosie and I both met him, like we'd get along great. I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but we have a right to be a little bit protective about our scope of practice. And, you know, when we're seeing that so blatantly put online, just somebody crossing that boundary with no repercussions after we've gone through the proper education and training and and paid significant fees. And you guys who've gone through esthetician school know it's, it's not a walk in the park. So yeah, it can be really hard to stand up for yourself in those situations where you're kind of challenging popular opinion or somebody has a huge cult following, but you immediately jumped to my rescue and took a little risk. And, you know, I was just like, I love her. I had the the same feeling, but honestly, um, a lot of people I have, uh, I hear from them that, oh, nursing school is uh, like uh, the aesthetic school is just for like a couple months. 
yeah, it is for a couple months because we don't need to know what is happening in the world. We don't need to study the world history. We don't need mm-hmm. to study music a lot. Like the schooling system, people don't understand that for your set of skills, you don't need too mm-hmm. much like four years of education. A lot of the dermatologists, or even my husband's a physician, let me tell you this. He even studied dermatology and he was like, that was the only subject I wanted to have a B because I didn't like dermatology. Just because mm-hmm. physicians, and everybody have like these many, many years of education, the length of your education doesn't determine your expertise and your knowledge. Because after school, a lot of estheticians keep up with CMEs. We take a lot of extra classes, courses, just continually educating ourselves. If you collect all of the overall years of experience and knowledge, you would understand like the, it's not just a couple months of education. And when it comes mm-hmm. to Hiram, honestly, I'm not against him. I have learned one thing from him, how to make a brand go out of stock. It's because he just mm-hmm. showed mm-hmm. so much confidence in CeraVe that the yep. brand literally was going out of stock. I learned how to be on social media because of him mm-hmm. to just be myself, be open and be yep. able to talk. But now one thing I don't appreciate is when people like, take titles from other people. Now, for example, I'm not an RN. I openly say it. I'm not an RN. I'm an SFA and we are considered surgical nurses and we only mm-hmm. do surgical nursing and that is completely fine, but it would be wrong for me to be, yeah, I'm, I have a BSN mm-hmm. or I'm like RN or like, I'm like, it's not mm-hmm. right. It's just ethically not right. right. If I, right. if somebody is a lawyer and they see me giving like legal advice on TikTok, they would not appreciate it. They're like, I went to school, yes. I studied, right. I spent money. So why are you yeah. taking the title? Right. That's just how and it is. It is. It's so blurry too, because, you know, your average person may not even know what an esthetician is and they see Hiram online. Mm-hmm. And I think he is candid in saying, I'm not an esthetician, I'm not a dermatologist, but it's tricky when skin expert is the name used and somebody, your average Joe can't distinguish that between estheticians. So the assumption is he is a professional and Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just, it's a tricky, tricky line. And it's again, nothing against him, but you know, I think it's just staying within your scope of practice. And it's also tricky when it comes to advising others and strangers on the internet on Mm -hmm. skincare when you just don't have the background in skin histology and anatomy. Yeah, you don't know the risks and you're not going through the proper protocols when you're advising. But, you know, I know he's helped a lot of people in certain ways. And yeah, this is not a high anti Hiram podcast by any means. That's not the point. Don't think it that way. We're just like (laughs) we're just venting here. Yeah, we're just venting. Being two estheticians who are just like frustrated about a situation. (laughs) Just venting. Yes. Yep. And and Rosie and I were just talking about just the general feeling of estheticians feeling a bit undermined at times. Rosie, what are your your thoughts on this and and why do you feel estheticians have a special place in the industry? Um, I feel like people don't understand our field and honestly a lot of people especially on TikTok they don't even know how to pronounce estheticians they don't know mm. uh, that shows enough that they have no knowledge and idea what we actually do um, 
I feel like we're really undervalued because we bring a completely different set of skills in this industry. Now we have like a lot of people sometimes compare us to dermatologists. Oh, you're not a dermatologist. They're more knowledgeable, completely understandable. I'm not here to treat your melanoma. I am not interested <laughs> treating like your moles or like removing them. I'm more into your acne or like your melasma or like other aging issues that you might have. I want to help you with that. And people don't understand that there's a reason we have state board established. There was a need of estheticians. That's why there's a state board. That's why there's a licensing. That's why there's like those set of rules and regulations. Um, and we are more focused towards aesthetics. If you want to preserve your skin from um, not growing age, having wrinkles, then you want an esthetician. You're having issues with like psoriasis. You want to have like issues with like you're having issues with eczema and your estheticians can't deal with it. Please go ahead to the dermatologist. Yes, this is what the difference I see. I had suffered with acne when I was um, 15 years old. I went to dermatologists and they could not help me. Guess who actually cleared my skin when I was 18, 19, I think. Yeah, I was 19 years old when I when I got my acne a little bit cleared. That was my esthetician. Yep. I met an esthetician and that's how I was like, oh, they can clear your skin because they have that knowledge. And I feel we are undervalued. People just think we maybe apply creams on your face or just like maybe pop your pimple. That's not the situation. Mm -hmm. A lot of estheticians mm -hmm. that I know, I have seen their amazing before and afters. And I'm like, whoa, mm -hmm. this is amazing. Like an esthetician who yes. people say that she's only been to school a couple months and she can do this is because she has that ability. And I hope mm -hmm. that our industry realizes that some dermatologists do. I know um, Dr. Shah, I have like just... He's, we sometimes talk through DMs some, sometimes, and he is very appreciative of estheticians. And there are dermatologists who are like, no, I don't like estheticians. So there are some of them that would think like that. And I hope they, they would one day get to experience working with estheticians and improve patient care quality because um, they have no idea what else we can bring on the table. There are estheticians who are paramedical estheticians. There are estheticians who are focused only on acne or focused only on melasma and they can do amazing things for your patients and it's sad to see that we are undervalued yes and you know i don't feel there needs to be any sense of competition mm -hmm. between the two they're different categories completely and the opposite completely opposite i think the Really, really good dermatologists understand that. And, and mm -hmm. I think great estheticians understand that as well. We're not competing with one another. My dermatologist is Dr. Austin in San Francisco. One of, I mean, she's the, the number one dermatologist for Botox filler in the country. She's an incredible doctor. She loves estheticians. She builds us up so much. She trains her estheticians well, and she always says she learns from her esthetician. So we can work hand in hand to deliver the best results. And, you know, when I went to see her when I was 25 years old, my skin was red top to bottom. I had closed comedons all over through my journey of finding an esthetician like you, Rosie, from years of getting on the right professional skincare and seeing my derm quarterly for a laser 
you know, for my rosacea or whatever is needed, we get the best outcome. So it really truly does not have to be a competition. And there's so much to learn from one another. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I would just give a small example of the OR Mm -hmm. is we have anesthesiologist, we have an RN who's, um, who's also considered a surgical nurse, but she doesn't do anything in the surgery. She doesn't scrub in and she's just in regular uniform and she helps out to bring any equipment or anything because the other team members need to be sterile. Um, So you have the surgeon, you have an anesthesiologist, you have the SFA, and then you have your RN. And this is our team. Um, And without one and another, we cannot perform a surgery patient will die. And that's the same situation when it comes to dermatology and aesthetics. When If you need a good uh, patient quali- uh, care quality, then at that moment, you have to consider that both are part of the team. I cannot function without my dermatologist if I am having an aesthetic practice because I if I'm like mainly focusing on skincare then I want to have somebody who's expert in like pathology Mm -hmm. and that person can help but you also cannot make an aesthetic practice successful without an aesthetician that's just the honest honesty of the situation right right couldn't agree more it is so so true so I'm all about reducing that friction between the two practices and even having our followers and clients understand there is a place for both. And, you know, I respect dermatologists and I hope dermatologists respect us. And when it comes to skincare, you know, that is our bread and butter. We don't have a huge scope of practice where we can utilize prescriptions or Mm -hmm. diagnose. So we've got to know skincare inside and out. And I know this is a topic, Razi, that has come up on TikTok, and and I've loved hearing your opinion about it. When it comes to different types of products, what are the types of products you tend to recommend, and what is the reason behind that? So... I'm talking, you're talking to the new version of me right now. If you talked three <laughs> okay. years ago, I would probably said something different. Um, okay. I think education and knowledge keeps adding more value in your in, in yourself. And also that way you can bring that knowledge and value to other people. Back in the days, I would have a completely different perspective because I was just like ignorant and didn't walk have the knowledge I just didn't have the education for it now if you tell me what products are the best I believe that the products that actually works for you and to find that what product works for you is you have to be open to giving them a chance Uh, when I have different different lines that I work with and I cherry pick I am the cherry picker like I like to use the top best Mm -hmm. ingredient of that brand and top best ingredient from another brand and I just mix them uh when it comes to acne honestly what I feel most comfortable with is face reality and the reason is first of all they're effective they're really effective when it comes to acne and the other thing I really like about them it's affordable so my clients don't feel like I'm ripping them off like when you give them that option of affordability um they understand that okay I can I can actually invest a little bit in this one because I know most of the teenagers that I have, they have acne, they are students and sometimes they can't afford it. So I completely Mm -hmm. get that. Um, When it comes to melasma, 
I'm a big believer of Cispera. This uh, mm-hmm. cream is like has changed my practice so much. And I found it through one of the influencers who was using it for her mother. And I was like, I need to try this product. I tried it. Um, and I was satisfied with the with everything. At that time, I didn't have melasma to be able to 100% tell if it's going to work or not. But I was like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to give it a shot to see if I would have any issues in terms of acne or anything. Luckily I didn't. And um, universe just brings things together. And the brand reached out to me out of nowhere. I don't even know. I never like tagged them or anything. They reached out and they were like, Hey, would you like to do a collaboration with us? We would like to see what your perspective is about our product and stuff. So the brand reached out to me and wanted to do a, a collaboration. And I did that with them. And from there, I was like, you know, I want to start, testing it on my clients and see if they would like it. So I had three people that I knew that um, had melasma and I send them a sample because when brand sends me something, I'm of course not going to use the whole thing. I gave it to them and I was like, I would like for you guys to test it out and tell me after four months what happens. Their skin had an amazing result. And I was like, okay, there you go. I found the cream for my sister, uh-huh. for melasma, for skin of color that is safe. Yeah. So it just took off from there. And that's the product I suggest. I personally would tell your audiences that um, be open in learning about the brand, about uh, their formulations, educate yourself, give it a shot and test and see how it works for you. I, when I pick a brand, I look at everything. I look at the price point. I look if they have good education in the background. Like, do they teach their estheticians? Do they have any courses coming up or like, do they invest in me as well? Um, and yes. then I also look at the quality of the products. I see like if they're, if they're good quality or not. So that's that's the best suggestion I have for uh, for the audience. And um, when it comes to over the counter, I've been very like open to that as well initially. But what I mm-hmm. have learned based on my experience with my clients is that unfortunately, over the counter doesn't work the way most of the professional brands do. Like I see if I start somebody on an experimental note, I would talk if start one client on over the counter and start the other one with face reality the one who's using the face reality gets her skin clear faster and those products long term works better for her as compared to somebody who I started with over the counter and every two months I have to figure out another new product that can work for yes her. so yes. that struggle I just take it out of the picture I'm like you know what I am licensed esthetician I'm investing in my education and knowledge right. so I'm going to focus on le- on the brands and the products that I know are really effective and I can, I can put my name on them and that's those brands. I cannot believe I'm saying this. It is a total dream collaboration come true. Today's episode is in partnership with Nutribullet, the easy to use, easy to clean, affordable blender. Smoothies are so near and dear to my heart because making them was really the first action step that I took on my health journey. Starting in high school, before I even stepped foot in a gym, I started making smoothies. And that habit has stuck with me. I'm now 31 years old. I make a smoothie every single day, sometimes two. And I really think enjoying that process is key to having longevity with your healthy habits. 
The Nutribullet Blender Combo is the most versatile Nutribullet and this thing is sweet, you guys. It allows you to effortlessly switch between a single serve or full-size blending option. From smoothies and protein shakes to savory soups and dips, Nutribullet's signature blending process transforms high-fiber fruits, veggies, nuts, and seeds into silky perfection. As an esthetician and nutrition coach in training, I love how nutrient-dense smoothies can be. You can really pack a lot of antioxidants, fiber you don't get from juice, greens, and protein into a delicious on-the-go meal option. Smoothies are also affordable. Nutribullet's dietitians have estimated that it costs only $1.60 to make a smoothie in your own home versus $7 you could spend at the store. And I know I've spent a pretty penny on some bougie smoothies. Lastly, smoothies are also easy to digest and absorb. We hear a lot about gut health and the gut-skin connection these days. The reason I love smoothies is they're already pre-digested for you. So instead of your body needing a ton of energy to break down that meal, smoothies are very easy to absorb, which means more energy for glowing skin. Don't settle for blenders that leave your smoothie filled with chunks. Go to Nutribullet.com and use promo code TTRSPRING for 20% off your order. Once again, that's Nutribullet.com and use my promo code TTRSPRING for 20% off. If you don't have a Nutribullet in your kitchen, you are missing out. Absolutely, because you are behind those results and Mm -hmm. the client is looking to you when they're not getting them. So, I mean, you know, I think estheticians have a tough job and we've talked about this a little bit before, Rosie, but in 2020, this whole sort of divide started happening between over-the-counter and professional brands and, you know, there was this this message of people saying because the FDA does not distinguish the two, there is no difference. And then, you know, you have clients or just people following along saying, oh my gosh, like has this been a scam, so to speak, this whole time if there is no actual difference between professional and over the counter. And I'm so, so glad you brought it up because it's, it's really hard to talk about as an esthetician without being kind of shut down or dismissed by somebody who's an MD or somebody just reiterating, you know, what the FDA defines. And it's really hard to defend ourselves, but estheticians are almost doing case studies of of their own every single day on our clients. And it's really hard to translate that experience of what we're seeing in the skin to the general public. But I mean, I agree with you. People come to us usually using over-the-counter and, you know, those are products that are already accessible to them. So I do believe we have a responsibility to provide better solutions. And I don't think that should be something that is looked down upon. I mean, of course we want to deliver results. We will not have a business. We will not have clients coming back to us if we can't do that. So, I mean, I think it's in our best interest to provide products that work. And, 
you know, it's just, it's tough because if you're not recommending things from Sephora that are immediately accessible, you can feel this pressure, like I'm letting people down in some way. Do you ever feel that, Rosie? Um, honestly, what I think is that a lot of the a lot of the professional brands are now accessible too. You can access mm -hmm. uh, it's clinical yes. anywhere. You can access right? based reality easily. Go on your laptop, order it after five <laughs> visits behind your door. Um, right. You want to talk about Glymet Plus, easily accessible. If we're talking yes. about accessibility, then a lot of the professional brands are also accessible. But the only thing is that I think this divide is because of how we word it. One thing I tell mm -hmm. estheticians, like the ones that I know as friends, is that don't talk about the brand you don't want you want your clients not to use talk about the one you want them to use even on your mm -hmm. facebook post or instagram post don't compare the two just mm -hmm. talk highly about the brand that you believe in and you you really put your trust in listen hiram literally made cerave go out of stock why mm -hmm. the the brand is very mediocre because of how he put value and trust in that brand. And people were like, okay, we're as human beings, we're followers. We follow whatever we see. So people started following him. Yeah, sure. Like Cerave is the best because he is saying they put the trust in him. Same way if we utilize that skill of like talking about the professional brands that we have, if we continuously on TikTok talk about climate, face reality, like all the brands that we in the treatment room we use, guess what? People will start noticing it. And um mm -hmm there has been occasions I told you this earlier as well I mm -hmm. have talked to my clients and um, I'm very bad at sales I got kicked out of one of my jobs because I wasn't able to make the sales because uh, I just didn't know how to sell because there was a pr mm -hmm. pressure that you need to meet the quota you have to sell the products but when I take that pressure out and I just focus on like this is what my clients need and I'm, this is what I'm going to suggest you you want to follow the TikTok uh, tips be my guest. Please go ahead and do it. But if you want to come to me, this is what I suggest. You don't even need to buy it from me. Go. There's another esthetician. Buy it from her. Go to the website of the brand. Buy it from them directly. I really don't care if you buy it from me or not. My goal is to actually give you the best product. And guess what happens? Those clients, they only want to buy it from me. I have left Texas and most of my clients, I've told them, go to... Um, Brooke, get the products from her. You don't need to order it from me because if she has it, you can easily buy it from her. Guess what? They still buy it from me. And this shows that once you build that relationship with your clients, they will understand mm -hmm. that you have the best interest in heart for them. And don't worry about the over-the-counter thing. If it's going doing well or whatever it's doing, really doesn't matter to me. At the end of the day, my goal is to help right. you. And right. um, I'm going to try my best to uh, find the best best product in terms of uh like the price point ingredients effectiveness and everything um and yeah there is definitely a divide um and i hate it i hate it because uh when i talk about the products i don't ever say this is professional grade or this is medical grade right. i don't even right. want to use that word i literally just Same. want to say it's it's clinical it is glymet plus doesn't right. have to be professional grade because honestly Dermalogica there was a time was selling it only to professional estheticians now they are mm -hmm. selling it in Sephora and all the other places right. just because it's selling in other places doesn't mean the efficacy has gone down the brand right. just decided to expand and that's the only right. difference uh, and what that's what people don't understand that 
this is not why we suggest professional brands because if we only we can sell it. No, it's because how mm-hmm. effective it is. And sometimes these brands have like chemical peels on their website. They don't want anybody mm-hmm. to be just going and shopping and getting these peels and burning their skin and then blaming the brand and suing them. So maybe right. that's the reason they don't want to give access of all the products to the regular consumer who has no knowledge how to use it. It it just would it, it wouldn't be super safe. It wouldn't be a great no. idea, and that's the reason why you have to go through a professional. And I agree with you, Rosie. I am less about this label of medical grade, professional grade. Mm-hmm. In a sense, I wish brands had been more transparent about the meaning of these terms. Yeah. But it's to me, it's really not about those labels. It's about quality. It is about the results. I'm always going to choose what's going to give you the yes. best results and preserve the integrity of the skin. I don't care what it's called, but I yeah. do prefer those lines that are on the cutting edge of research. These brands like Jan Marini is clinical, Skin Better Science. Climate. They are invested in results. They they are conducting trials, and professionals are depending on yeah. them to get results. So it's just a different setting where if a professional is reaching for these products, there just is a higher standard of efficacy and quality there that is really hard to measure and define, but it doesn't mean it's not real. Uh, The efficacy improves with knowledge and a lot of regular consumers don't have the chemistry knowledge. They don't have the anatomy knowledge. Estheticians do. They they know which uh, cleanser has to be paired with which serum how yes. many times that serum is supposed yes. to be used um, now i'm going to give a small example of uh, polish choice okay um it's a it's a good brand i have used the products it's it's good it's decent uh, i uh, i didn't find anything wrong with it one thing i found wrong is that they don't have that knowledge that they give to their consumers of uh, what product has to be paired with what um yes you can find um mandelic acid salicylic acid and all of that a regular consumer doesn't even know what is salicylic acid which person should be using now if the brand mm-hmm. decides to only mm-hmm. sell it to an esthetician and the esthetician guides the client how to use it and what ingredients to be paired with how many times to use it the brand is also going to be able to see more results a lot of yes. the um over-the-counter products what i have seen is that i don't find before and after from these brands That's my one thing. I don't see, like, you want to talk about is clinical if it's effective or not? Yeah, they have before and afters. They have, like, people under the research for, like, three, four months. They test the products on them, and they give you real results. I don't see that in a lot of other over-the-counter brands. I don't see their before and after. That's just a simple truth. No, and I agree with you. And it's difficult when a line like Paula's Choice comes out with a product that then becomes the hero for this category of acne. When we as professionals know salicylic should be used on a specific type of acne. Mm -hmm. You want to use it on blackheads, like maybe whiteheads, but really I find with certain types of acne, if you're drying out the skin, creating that dry outer layer and the oil can't come out, it's not beneficial. So I do run into a lot of clients who come to me 
using that it it's not working for them and you know then it's a matter of why it's not for you and and there's just it's so much deeper than one product being the hero for everyone's acne absolutely it's um just doing treating acne you and having it yourself you just understand that these products just the way they say it it doesn't work uh because now for example if somebody has um a lot of blackheads and they use the polish choice uh salicylic acid two person that blackhead that's already developed there is not going anywhere i'm sorry it can maybe mm-hmm. prevent the future ones but it's not going to take those blackheads away you have to go to a esthetician maybe get a hydrofacial to extract them that and that's why a lot of people are like oh so uh, this is what i ran into actually a lot of people are like you suggested the polish choice uh, product and i tried it and it didn't work and that it hit me i was like oh I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't mm-hmm. be talking about these products because the brand doesn't offer any knowledge and they only right. sell it to regular consumer. And if I put my nice. name on it, it's the knowledge that actually corrects everything. It's not just the product. Yes. Um, so if you take that knowledge out of the equation, the product is useless. That product mm-hmm. can actually burn your skin. The product can actually damage your skin. So uh, that was a quick call yes. for me to like okay Razi you have to stop talking about all these other over the counter products because they they're not going to fix it honestly they are looking for the money so they're not going to be like oh um if they go through an esthetician actually they make less profit people don't understand that because um you don't make that much of profit at selling it through another third party and then on top mm-hmm. of that providing knowledge right. support right. and all of that it yes. costs a lot of money So honestly, like it's your call um, to whoever who's listening to this podcast. When you talk about your brands and the products you love, don't let the anybody come and tell you, oh, you're using professional or medical grade. Don't use the words. Don't use it. Just simply talk about the brand itself and see how people will put their trust in you. Because if you use the controversial words, it's not going to make you sell the product. It actually is going to make you look bad because they have created this bad image around the professional and medical grade. And the moment we talk about it, the trust is already gone because we used a controversial mm. word. Sorry, my words are twisting. So you yeah, get no, my I understand point. what you're you saying. Know, like, just yes. save yourself the time and win the heart of people by giving them that value, you know, like let them, yes. let them trust you. Right. I, and I, I've learned that lesson too, Rosie. And, you know, we're always learning these things mm-hmm. that, you know, through, through making mistakes and I've gotten more strict too on saying, you know, I really want to work within brands. I'm thoroughly trained on that. I've attended multiple seminars on that I know the case studies in and out that I have support if something does go wrong because it is about your safety and results and we simply don't have those resources with lines like Paula's Choice. I I don't have, you know, experience to speak of with it on using that product on a wide range of skin types. So of course I want to stick what to what is excellent efficacious, safe for you, that's going to provide the best result in the end, save you heartache and money. So yeah, that's where as estheticians, we just, we learn to draw our boundaries and and why they're so important. They keep our clients safe and they keep us safe. Razi, I know you have had a journey yourself with acne. Do you want to share a little bit 
people are going to laugh. Journey. People are going to laugh and let me share it. It was so funny. Okay. Um, so I come from Muslim family, a background where I used to cover myself. So the only thing I could flaunt on or share about or talk about was my skin. And my skin was really good when I was four, 13 years old. For I actually 14 till 14, my skin was really, really good. Um, and I would always stand in front of the mirror and I would tell my mom, mom, look at my skin. It's so beautiful. I would just like praise my own self. Um, so of course, puberty hits you and you start having acne. Um, I started having one acne and I was very, very like self-conscious about it. I told my friend, I said, listen, I'm having acne. What am I supposed to do? And she was the master of just like doing all these beauty treatments, just like uh, putting food on her face. And at that time, that that seemed to be the best thing. And she told me, she was like, well, there's a cream that I used on my acne and maybe you should try it out and you can maybe like use it and see if it works for you. Now the cream, the way she told me the name there are like two creams. One is um, a steroid for, and it's used for vaginal discharge or some type of like a female problem. And the other one was for acne. So I go to the pharmacy and unfortunately in back home in Pakistan, you don't need a prescription. You can just even get um, Xenix over the counter. Like that's how it is. So I literally just go say the name uh, to the pharmacist and he gave me the cream. I used it for three days. After three days, my face turned into like the swollen thing, like I could not recognize myself. And I had so much acne within just three days. Like it, it mm. felt like my whole life's acne just came on my face mm. within three days. Um, mm. And since there, I started having acne issues. I went to a doctor, um, dermatologist, they gave me the Zolperoxide. And she just told me one thing, she was like the acne that was supposed to come maybe in like 10 years, you made it come in three days. So use a steroid cream, you use the wrong cream. And my one mm. mistake, lack of knowledge, uh, got me mm-hmm. in trouble. And since then, I have been having acne issues. And I know I would have ha- had acne anyways, but to have it in that severe situation where I had to take like, I got like 12 sessions of microneedling and then my scarring got mm. better. Um, mm, and my acne yeah. used to be really bad, uh, but now I'm in a better place with it. So I still like, I'm very careful of what I use on my skin. <sighs> Can I tell you what I did what to did my you? skin that I have a theory is where it all started, where the acne started. Mm-hmm. Very similar to you, Rosy. It all goes back to that barrier health. I was going to stagecoach with some girlfriends, the country music festival in the desert, very hot, <laughs> dry environment. So before this festival, I wanted to have a smooth flawless face. So I put Nair, after putting Nair on my legs, I decided it would be a good idea to put it on my face to have a flawless skin. Nair meant for the body all over my delicate skin. Who knows what I was using at the time. And yep, a couple days later, just red bumps, um, sensitivity, acne everywhere. Then I head into the desert where we're drinking, you know, it's 105 degrees, sun is blazing. Wow. And that's actually when I I met my friend Lauren, the first esthetician I'd ever met. I met her at that festival. We got to chatting about skincare. But yeah, you know, it's it goes to show skin is such a complex organ. And Mm-hmm. it's not something to to treat lightly and try a million different things on and 
you know, back then when we were growing up, of course, there weren't as many resources or professionals online that you could at least get some level of information from because you guys listening are probably like, of course, you wouldn't put an air on your face. But, you know, even five, seven years ago, we didn't know as much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mine (laughs) happened like 10 years ago. And that's where I started experimenting with. After that, I started experimenting with like food kind of like because Honestly, um, my dad would never spend money on my face and he was never going to like give me money to go and get facials or anything done. Even if there was, if they were accessible, I just didn't have it. So I was uh, doing what I could best using the Ayurvedic and stuff. But at the end of the day, food only works in your body because the molecules mm-hmm. are supposed to be absorbed in your stomach once they're chewed down. They don't do the same thing when, it, when they're on your face. And there's a reason we have skin so it can protect us from anything from outside and when you try to brew use like lemon on your face or like try to do like orange peel or like whatever it just doesn't work because if you ask me I can even write you my recipes that I use for my face packs so and I'm walking talking example it just doesn't work it damages your skin even more some DIYs are mm-hmm. safe I mean like for example using cucumber or maybe using honey just by on it on its own um but why even do that or go through all the mess and just like just buy the product and save the food and instead give it to somebody who needs food simple as that but my acne was so painful that first three years that when I would sleep on my pillow my pillow would get get bloody I I would Mm. have like really bad pain on my face and I just look I would look at myself in the mirror and I would be like you look hideous like you look so bad. So yeah. everywhere I would go, they were like, oh, what's wrong with your skin? You should do this. You should like drink more water, wash your hands, don't touch your hand, face. I was like, oh God, all these advices. Everybody is becoming the expert mm-hmm. telling me what to do with my skin. Yeah. That's where it clicked. I was like, I want to help people. I Till today, I get emotional when I see somebody who has acne and I want to help them. And I get so close to my clients that when I was leaving, I had clients who were crying in Texas and I only been with them for a year, mm. not even a year, like seven months. And they were crying. They were like, don't leave us, Razi. I was like, this is what I wanted to have. Like I wanted to have a close relationship with my clients and build yeah. that connection with them so they can feel comfortable. I didn't have anybody calming me down and telling me everything is going to be okay. Um, no. I got engaged eventually and my fiance broke up with me based on like, he kept like, his family was also saying that your skin doesn't look good and this and that. Oh, and I was like, you know what? Good. Leave. Bye. Good. Good riddance. So yeah, like um, sometimes people don't understand acne is way bigger than just having it on your skin it's in your mind like it's like all the time you have this like pressure and like anxiety and depression it's not good like that's why you have to have people around you who like actually understand your condition and they support you they don't they don't talk bad about you like my my clients have sometimes cried on my shoulders and be like my auntie said this or like my uncle said this to me I don't know what to do and I'm like poor girl like I feel bad for you I wish it didn't happen to you but I'll do my best to help you out it's really tough 
I feel like we are in the same brain sometimes, but it's really tough when you're struggling with acne because everybody wants to throw all of this advice at mm-hmm. you, like you're saying, and it can be more harmful than helpful. And that's that's why professionals are so needed and, you know, offering that safe space where you can offer good quality information and be a resource is so important in this world. And I agree, Rosie, I didn't have that until later, later in life, you know, and I had gone to esthetician school because I wanted to figure it out. And so many of us have that burden too, even as estheticians. And, you know, as you say on, on TikTok, Rosie, which I love and is such a good message to share is that there is no cure. It has to be managed. And, you know, there's this expectation to just clear your acne, you know, in one go is just not real. And it's unfortunate because there are so many quick videos on TikTok that gain virality because it's easy to say this green drink will fix it all or, you know, this yeah. one one product will, will clear it all. But we know that's yeah. not the case. It's a combination it's of so many things, honestly. I um, have uh, uh, consumed like um, burdock root. Um, also, I have um, dr- like I'm right now. I just have it here. My spearmint tea, uh, diet, lifestyle, the things mm-hmm. sometimes you use at home, like just your detergent, can also play a big role. Like acne mm-hmm. is not that easy peasy where you're like, oh yeah, put this thing on your face, it's gonna go away. No, it doesn't go away. It definitely would calm down, but it has to be combined with a lot of other things. It has to be combined with your home care that is suitable for your skin. The moment you decide to like switch your sunscreen and use a sunscreen that is not safe for acne prone skin, you are gonna have it back. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Now somebody um uh, left a very nasty comment in my tiktok video where i was trying to like be very vulnerable and show my skin and they were like yeah it happens too because you're testing so many products uh you're tested checking so many products this will happen of course no it's not because i use so many products you don't know about my life i am going through a phase where i'm getting off my birth control i switched mm-hmm. birth control and that is what is causing it um and a lot of people are just very nasty about it they don't understand there's so many things mm-hmm. that play a role my dad would be like yeah you just put so many things on your face that's why it's happening same I'm like <laughs> my dad too <laughs> like I was like no that you you don't know it this is not how it works it's not that I'm putting things it just right. doesn't go away even if I don't put anything yeah I mean and the hormonal makeup of women compared to men it just it doesn't hold a candle so it's two different ball no. games but yeah, I totally different. totally get you yeah my dad would say the same thing and then came home with a bag of product from the dollar store and says, this is the cure. Yeah. It's, it's really funny. A lot of other people who haven't suffered with it might not understand it. Um, You have to like, at some point you, I don't say that you have to have acne to know that because a lot of estheticians that are able to help people with acne, they, some of them don't, didn't have acne. Um, That's not the case. But um, sometimes you just have to be like, you know what, this condition is something out of my understanding, and I'm not in a place to actually pass comments on it. Just leave the person alone, let them figure it out. They will figure it out what's going to work for their skin. I know now what works for my skin. So my dad said whatever he had to say, but I still did what I had to do. (laughs) Yeah. 
Exactly. Well, Rosie, I want to end on this question since I'm sure so many estheticians enjoy following you and look up to you. If there was one piece of advice you could give to an esthetician who wants to pursue aesthetics, medical aesthetics, or have their own practice one day, what would you say to them? I would say this thing coming from me, like based on what I have done with my life in this career, do it only if you have passion. Don't do it for the money. Don't look up to the the people who are saying, yeah, you're going to be making millions or you're going to be making hundreds or whatever. Because if you don't have the passion, you're not going to have the sympathy for your clients. You're not going to be able to understand where they're coming from. And um, do it only for that purpose and for that reason um, that one day you feel like, okay, I'm doing it because I want to help people out. And let me tell you this, money will follow you. Money will come to mm-hmm. you anyways. It, money is a completely different topic that we can talk about. It's an energy yes. and you can manipulate it. You can make money on in areas where you're not even like doing anything. So don't just <laughs> yeah, join true. the field of aesthetics because I know a lot of people are like, oh, I cannot have my own practice. But if, what right. if you don't like practicing with people? What if you're not people person? What if you can't have that connection with your clients? You're not going to be a good esthetician. Only do it if you feel the passion. And when you have the passion, you would always, always feel that you need to invest in yourself. I'm telling you, coming from me, because I am like, it's been 10 years and every day I feel <laughs> like I don't know nothing. I'm like, I need another mm-hmm. course. I need to go back to mm-hmm. school. So add in your knowledge, do it with passion and you'll be successful. And your success is not dependent on the amount of followers you have on TikTok. Your success is going to be dependent on when your client's specifically want to just only come to you this is what my instructor told me and I was working with her she was like I was like how can I be the best how can I be the best like can you tell me what what am I supposed to do she was like the day a client walks in here and she specifically takes your name and wants to only work with you is the day that you should feel that you're getting there you're just Mm -hmm. getting there so Mm -hmm. That's why invest in those things and in your knowledge, building that relationship with clients and do it only if you have the passion. Do not, please do not do it for money. You're going to hate it. <laughs> Seriously. And I, I really get that from you, Rosie, and it feels really genuine. Even when you had your Instagram hacked, which is a whole nother thing, and you know you lost that significant following, you handled it so gracefully. I'm sure it was hard on the inside, but you know you just got back at it. And I I can just tell it's kind of for the love of the game, you really enjoy educating and you enjoy what you do. But I want to give you a quick plug. So hopefully people do go follow you over there because you are so enjoyable to follow. I love how passionate you are and how cut and dry you are, how you, you say things people might be afraid to, to say. And you're very, very knowledgeable. You have such vast experience. So tell us where where can we follow you and learn more about your offerings? Uh, they can follow me on my new Instagram, which is Razi Aesthetics. Uh, it's R-A-Z-I-A-E-S-T-H-E-T-I-C-S, Razi Aesthetics. Um, 
and thank you so much, Tess, for having me here. I really, really appreciate you for giving me the honor to actually speak to you. You're one of my really favorite estheticians, and I really look up to you, learn so much from you. The podcast that you have brings so much value by just having so many different estheticians here, learning from them. Um, you do say that I'm becoming the expert, but I'm still not there. I'm really, really not there. I have a long, long way to go. And my only thing is that when I wake up in the morning, I feel excited about the thing that I'm going to do that day. I didn't want to have a job that I feel like, oh, damn, one more day Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be off. I don't feel that way. My husband literally has to physically stop me, takes my phone and everything. (laughs) He's like, can you please stop working? Because I just love doing that. And I give that credit to Gary Vee because I listen to him so much. And he keeps saying it's about the process. It is not about the goal. It's about the process. So yes, for me, it's just about the process. Yes. I love it. Thank you. I love that. I, I love that you're a Gary V girl and it makes <laughs> sense now. We are so synced up. I, I love him too. He's amazing. But he's amazing. Yeah. Go listen to some Gary V after this. Yes, definitely do. <laughs> Thank you, Rosie, so, so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on. I feel like this hour breezed by. I told you it was going to be 45 minutes and I've gone on longer, but please, please come back. We would love to hear you talk more about, you know, maybe medical aesthetics, money. So we'll have to do another one soon. You can have me anytime you want. I'm all yours. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll do it. Well, thank you so, so much, guys. Go follow Rozzy. Her information will be linked in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. And we will talk to you next week.